78, uh, it says in verse 41, it says, Yea, uh, they returned and tempted God. So it's talking about the children of Israel. They returned and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And you think about God that created the universe, um, that uh, even though he created the universe, we as created beings have the ability to limit God. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, God is all-powerful, right? He can do all things. He can do anything in the entire universe, create anything that he desires. And yet mankind has the ability to limit him. And, you know, throughout the church, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so many things are going on in the church and I've, I always wondered about that because I think people in general are intelligent you know there there are a few people that need a little help in that area I know but um, but you know just when it comes to to knowing God and, and those things I think people can, uh, of a sincere heart want to know the Lord as best they can and yet many people in a church are always trying to, to explain away why uh, that God doesn't do any more miracles that God doesn't do anything in, in the supernatural realm anymore he doesn't have any uh, miraculous interaction with mankind uh, and you know the intent of that that desire is to limit God uh, and, and how many times have we've heard people in the church say well God doesn't do miracles God doesn't heal God doesn't speak to us supernaturally God doesn't intervene in our natural course of life you know we get by as best we can and maybe when we get to heaven it'll be okay uh, and yet there's, there's a there's a constant pressure and drive in much of the church to limit God that God doesn't do these things. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, it says they limited God. So they were successful in limiting God. Uh, and yet they, they, and these people saw the miracles of God, right? They saw the, uh, the people that came out of e Egypt uh, from, uh, into uh, the wilderness. You know, they saw the ten plagues. They saw the miraculous power of God. And within a couple of weeks, you know, they were thirsty and hungry, and they were complaining about how God's not going to take care of them, even though they saw these miraculous things of God. And so, you know, seeing the miraculous doesn't build faith. Uh, uh, studying and knowing the Word of God is what builds faith. Uh, but still, you'd think they would at least thought, well, he did it before, maybe he'll do it again, right? Uh, and yet, they didn't do that. And, and, you know, you fast forward all of these thousands of years, and much of the church is still trying to limit God, still trying to, to say that God doesn't do these things. Uh, and, um, you know, one of my favorite stories that I heard because uh, it's to me it's just almost unbelievable right but uh, uh, but uh, we had a, a Bible study going at one time and, and this fella came in all excited you know from from church the day before he didn't go to our church but uh, he'd gone to his church and he said that the that the minister was teaching on Matthew chapter 26 and Matthew chapter 26 is the story where Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and we, we remember the story where Jesus was praying and the, and the prayer that Jesus prayed said Father, not my will. He said, if there, any, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Right? Cause he, so, uh, you know, that's the prayer of a sane person. Right? Anybody want to go to the cross and die a horrible death? Even Jesus didn't want to go, right? I mean, it was like, yeah, let's go. You know, let's go, boys. You know, we never live forever. I mean, that's, you know, uh, Timothy said that, uh, uh, and, or Thomas said that. Uh, but um, a sane person wouldn't say, yeah, let's go to the cross. It's going to be fun. No, nobody does that, right? And even Jesus, you know, Lord, if there be any other way. You know, and so he he wasn't asking, you know, uh, Lord, that, uh, you know, in, in a attitude of rebellion, he was as, asking really the father in an attitude of sanity, right? Is there any other way? You know, he still wanted to have the work of redemption done. But, uh, you know, if there's a way you could just buy your way out of it, you know, wouldn't you rather buy your way out of it? You know, it's like, you know, you get arrested and you can either pay a fine or, or you know, or, or go to death row. Well, which one would you do, right? Well, you know, can I, can I pay a fine? Is that an option? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, who would who would not take that option? Anybody would take that option, right? 
And so Jesus said, you know, uh, uh, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So he said, look, if that's what you want me to do, I'll, I'll do it. No problem. Right. But he focused on, Lord, if there be any other way, uh, uh, let this cup pass from me. And he said, see, Jesus didn't get his prayers answered. Now, you think about that. It, well, that wasn't a request, right? It was, it was a, I mean, it was a conversation he was having with the Lord. And it wasn't, uh, wasn't a request to say, Lord, get me out of this no matter what. You know, it, I mean, you just read it and it makes sense what he's saying. If there's any other way, you know, you know I'll take any other way other than going to the cross. But, you know, if, if the cross is the only way, fine, we'll do that. And that's what he said, right? That's not hard to understand. Yet this person got up and said, Jesus didn't get his prayer answered. He did get his prayer answered. His, his answer was, there's no other way. That's the way. And, and so he had already settled, Lord, if that's the way, then I'm doing it. So, so there was no prayer that was denied on, on the part of Jesus, but that's what the minister said. He got up and said, Jesus prayed this, and he didn't get his prayer answered, which is terrible, right? I mean, it's like, okay, first of all, if you went to school to learn that, you need to get your money back because they didn't teach you right. You know, whoever taught you that, you know, that's, that's not bad Bible interpretation. Even, you know, a, a simpleton can read, the, read that uh, prayer in Matthew 26 and understand what Jesus is saying. But then he went on. So it wasn't, it wasn't bad enough that he misinterpreted what Jesus said. But then he went on and expounded upon it and said, see, if Jesus didn't get his prayer answered, then you can't get your prayers answered. Now, that's just, I mean, that's, you know, you go back to kindergarten class, if you know, that's, if that's what you really said. You know, you go back to kindergarten and go back to, you know, let Chris teach you in the, in the children's church because you clearly don't know anything, right? Uh, and, and, but see, the, and the, the problem with that is bad enough that the man said it, bad enough that if somebody stood up in a pulpit and said that with, with a straight face, right? It wasn't joking, wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm just kidding, because who would joke about that anyway? But, uh, but he said that at, it, from a sincere standpoint, and so that's bad enough. The, the worst case, though, is when people believe that. See, what should have happened, everybody should have got up and just walked out the church, right? I mean, some things we're going to disagree with, fine, right? But some things just, I mean, that's bad. I mean, that's like, you know, top-shelf bad stupidity, right? But see, the, the, the mentality is we've got to limit God. Because, see, uh, a God that's unlimited will always answer your prayer. We talked about that Wednesday night, didn't we, right? Uh, that according to John 15, 7, and, and we read James chapter 4. You can go to, to 1 John chapter 5. You can go to lots of different scriptures in the Word of God. And basically, the premise is, you can ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. He literally said that, right, in John 15, 7. If you, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. He didn't, he didn't say, ask what you will, and maybe the answer is yes. Maybe the answer is no. He said it shall be done. So the, the, the implication is every single time, as long as you meet the qualifications of abiding in him and his words abiding in you, then ask whatever you want. And the answer is always yes. Every single time, yes. Well, see, that's unlimited, right? Is there a limit to that? No limit. So that, that's how we should live, uh, in an unlimited fashion with God. There's no limit to what God will provide for me and do for me on my behalf as long as I meet the qualifications that he lays down in the word of God. But, but see, that's faith. But much of the church, now this is a church, right? This is, not, this is not people outside the church. This is the church, right, that, that is teaching these things and saying God is limited. You never know if you're going to get your prayers answered. If you don't know you, should, you get your prayers answered, then how can you ever pray in faith? Because faith says... Lord, if I do this, then this exactly is what's going to happen. That's how faith operates, right? Faith says, Lord, if you said that, that if I ask, it shall be given unto me. That's the contract, right? And faith is very simple, that if I do what you said, I get what you said. 
and whatever that thing is, right? It works for salvation. It works for uh, prosperity. It works for wisdom. It works for anything. That's the deal, right? If you said it, Lord, and I do what you say, I get what you say. But see, that, that people think that's extreme and fanaticism, which is, which is the most odd thing to me. It's how is that fanaticism? How is that extreme in any way? You mean if I just do what I'm told to do and I get what, I, what I'm told I'll get, that's extreme? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's fanaticism. That's, see, fanaticism, they say that's a mental disorder, right? That, that, that you know, no matter, you're just going to do these crazy extreme things. And, uh, and of course, by that definition, I'm, I'm a wild Fleming fanatic, right? Uh, but I'm not a wild Fleming fanatic. I, I want to live uh, with an unlimited God. And yet the church is always trying to limit God. He doesn't do that. He won't do that. He will always do that, and he will always give it to you. Now, that's what his word declares, amen? He, uh, we, I didn't write it. He wrote it. He, wanted, he specifically wanted to say, if you, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and shall. But he chose to say those words. You know, he's, now, how many words do you think he said when he was on the earth? Probably just unlimited. I mean, John said if all the things that he did were written down, even the world couldn't contain the books. But he specifically, I, I want to make sure this is recorded. John, you make sure you write. I want the people to know that if they ask what, what, uh, what they will, it shall be done to them. I want them to know that. And he, he intentionally wanted us to know that. Uh, so that means he wanted us to know that he's an unlimited God. And yet he, sa- he said, but we as human beings have the capacity to limit God. Uh, and, and I'm always suspicious of any Christian who's always trying to remove the supernatural out of God. Always trying to say God doesn't do that. Anytime I hear somebody say God doesn't do, I, my ears perk. It's like, well, it's always something in the supernatural realm, right? Uh, that God, because anything He does for us is in the supernatural realm, because He lives in a in the in the natural in the spiritual world. We live in the natural world, so He's got to go beyond the natural world to help us, right? So that's the supernatural. Uh, and and much of the church, and this is the church, right? Anybody that tries to do away with the supernatural, I'm always suspicious of their of their intent. Uh, and really, now you know, I, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not sending anybody to hell. But what they don't appreciate is uh, Paul said that the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world today, right? Not the Antichrist himself, right? He's somewhere. We don't know who he is. He's probably Bob or Fred or Joe, you know, whoever he is. But the spirit of that, and, and the word Christ means, one definition is Messiah, but another definition is, uh, is the anointing, the anointed one. And so the anointing is the manifest presence of God in our lives, right? The manifest presence of God to manifest himself in our lives and for us on our behalf to move the natural realm according to his desire. And so he will use the supernatural, his supernatural power to move and change this this natural world to line up with his desire for our lives. So if we're sick, he'll move that, remove that sickness to line up our natural life with his uh, desire uh, in the supernatural realm. Uh, And Anybody who tries to do away with, with the supernatural power of God is yielding to the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit that's against the anointed power of God. Uh, and and uh, that sounds like a harsh uh, condemnation of people, but I know I'm not their judge. I'm not their eternal judge. I'm not going to send them to hell, or I might send them to remedial school, but uh, you know, I'm not going to send them to hell. That's not my job. That's between them and the Lord Jesus. But they are, li- they are, they are yielding to that, and they are limiting God. Anytime you limit God, you, you, put, you put handcuffs on. Well, you can't limit God. It says right there that they limited God, the Holy One of Israel. So if they could do it, we can do it. Now, 
they shouldn't have done it and we shouldn't do it, but we can do it. And, and so what I would encourage you is, is look at your own life. Lord, am I limiting you in any way? Have I said, Lord, you would never do that for me? I've ever said that you can't do that for me. I've ever said, you know, there's no way you could help me. You're limiting God. Amen. Uh, and don't ever put limits on God. If you do, uh, then that's as far as he can take it. Right? If you say, Lord, you can only help me this much, that's the most he could ever help you because he'll never violate your will. He'll never cross, uh, do something that's against your will. He will do for you uh, exactly the limit that you place on him. If you place no limit on him, then there's no limit that what he'll do for you. If you place a limit on him, then, then uh, that's as far as he can go. And, and you know, uh, from his standpoint, from the father's standpoint, it grieves him to know that uh, he is unable to help his children because his children don't uh, don't want him to help. You know, uh, uh, most of us in here have got children, you know, uh, or we, we take care of children or even pets or a goldfish or something, right? Uh, and what wouldn't you do for them? And have you ever wanted to do for them, but you couldn't do for them because of their 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 attitude or their, or their uh, you know, their actions or whatever it is. But even if you couldn't, did you still want to? You still wanted to, even though you knew you couldn't. And, and the, the grief of that, the, the, the sadness of that that comes about is real. And, and the Lord is grieved. The Bible says that we have the capacity to grieve him. Right. And we shouldn't grieve him, but we have the capacity to grieve. him. The Bible also says we have the uh, capacity to bless him. Right. It's a lot better to bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Amen. Uh, and so, so I, you know, for us, what, what we have to check in in our own lives is, Lord, am I limiting you anywhere in my life? You know, have I said, Lord, don't talk to me about this? Well, then you're limiting God. Lord, I'm never going to change that. Then you're limiting God, right? Because that means he can't help you in that area. Lord, I will never go beyond this area of my life. Well, then you're limiting God. Lord, this is the way I, this is the way I am. Don't you love that one? I always love people say that. That's just the way that I am. <laughs> it's like, well, then change, dummy, right? I mean, it's just all you got to do is change, right? Well, I ain't changing for nothing, you know, uh, and, and um, whatever, right? Uh, then, then anywhere that you you say that or, or act that way, you've limited God. Uh, and, and people will go to heaven. I, I guarantee you that, uh, well, I, I can't guarantee that, but I suspect that that person who said that about Jesus will go to heaven. Amen? Uh, they're in the pulpit. I'm, I'm going to assume at least the best for them that they are Christians and saved on the way to heaven they'll go to heaven and and they'll get to heaven and you know how disappointed people are going to be when they get to heaven and they see what they could have had and, and the life they could have lived uh and, and well, lord why didn't you do that and don't ever ask that question to the lord you know lord why didn't you ever bless me because he'll back it up say right there is where you limited me right here is where you limited me you know i wanted you to be here you limited me to here right? i wanted you to to live a life full of peace he said, fullness of joy, that your joy would be full. And that, wouldn't that be a great deal to have your joy full? You know, I mean, how many people want to live with their joy full? And they live with joy about 1%, right? I'm 1% joy, right? Uh, but you think about fullness of joy. That, can you even imagine what that would be? You know, I mean, I, 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 don't, live the, I don't know if I live 100% full. But I live pretty close to fullness of joy on a regular basis. Uh, and and uh, sometimes you get around people just, it's just, it's like dragging, uh, you know, uh, uh, you ever try to drag a trailer and the tires are flat, right? You know, uh, and just all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's going along fine and the tires are flat and you're just dragging it across, you know. Uh, it, the, the weight of that, you know, and it's, it, and, um, uh, well, I don't want to limit God. If he said I can have fullness of joy, I want, full, I want it all. 
you know, I'm not selfish in that. People say you're selfish, you're greedy. How are you selfish or greedy receiving what's been given to you? How is that selfish or greedy? It was given to you. It was given to you at the cross. Uh, and people will use every excuse and every lie and every deception to get you to limit God in your life, to get you to say, God will not do this. God does not want you to have that. God does not want you to be happy. <laughs> like, How did God not want me to be happy? Well, he does, but just, you know, you need to be happy in your, in your sickness and happy in your, in your poverty and happy in your, in your destruction. I'm not going to be happy in those things. I'm going to get out of those things because I'm going to un- take the limits off of God so I can get out of those things so I can be full of joy. He said you get full of joy when you receive the prayers that you've been praying. Amen. Uh, and so the Lord just been just uh, have me meditate on this scripture that, that they limited the Holy One of Israel. Limited the Holy One of Israel. Lord, have I limited you in any way? H- have I put a cap? of Lord, I, I you know, I, I just can't, I can't imagine, you know, preaching to, you know, 200 people. No way. You know, I'm not limiting God, you know. I'll preach to thousands of people. Amen. Uh, and they can all be right here in Dayton, Tennessee. Amen. We'll just have to import a few more people here to do it, but uh, no problem at all. Amen. Uh, and and um, uh, so, so my encouragement to you is, is look, uh, go home, buy a bigger mirror, and ask the Lord, Lord, have I, have I limited you? Where have I limited you in my life, Lord? Uh, well, you know, when you get older, things just start falling off, you know. Well, that's limiting God right there, right? Well, you know, you just, uh, I'm just getting more forgetful every day, right? Well, they just limited God, right? Well, you can't do that like you used to go do. Well, you just limited God, right? Uh, well, you know, you can't be happy all the time. Well, you just limited God, you know. Well, you know, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Well, you, you limited God. I win all the time, amen? Uh, and don't, don't come up against me because I'm going to win, you know. Uh, and so, uh, I, I'll see, the thing is, I'll either win now or win tomorrow. Because I'll outlive everybody if I have to, right? And, and uh, win, win them eventually, right? And so, uh, so I'm not going to limit God. Amen? I just, uh, and just, just, just something in me, just I don't want to limit God in any way. Amen? I want to live full every day. Every single day full of what God wants me to have. And if that, if that makes people unhappy, that, <laughs> you're already unhappy anyway. So what's it matter to, the, to you if I'm happy, right? But people, you know, other people in a, in a church, not this church, but other people in a church will not be happy that you live in the fullness of God. And, and it will make them upset. That's really your problem. I, I really don't care. I'm not going to lose a wink of sleep on, on it. Amen. And so don't limit the Holy One of Israel. Amen. People have the capacity to limit God in their life. Right. They won't limit God in his ultimate plan. You know, they can't change when God's coming back. He's coming back when he wants to. But they will limit how much God can operate in their life. Amen. I'm not going to be one of those people. And so, praise God. Let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Come the Spirit of God here, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us and among us, Father, to speak to us, to encourage us. You declared in your word, Father, that the Spirit of God is our comforter, He's our counselor, He's our helper, He's our advocate, He's our intercessor, He's our strengthener. He's our standby. Father, He's so important in our lives. And you are faithful to give Him, Father. You said you would, and you did, Father. We thank you that you're faithful to execute your word. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here among us. We thank you that you're here to speak to us, to lead us, and guide us into all truth, to show us things to come, to strengthen us, 
to grant to un, unto us wisdom and revelation and knowledge and healing and power. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the ministry that you have in the earth today. And we yield to you. We follow your path. If you lead us, Lord, we will follow you. So, Father, we thank you. You are the great God worthy of all praise and honor. You've shown yourself faithful through the ages. There's not a single word you declared, Father, that you have gone back on. You have, you have done everything that you said you would do. And so of that, Father, we declare you faithful. We thank you that you are faithful. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. So, Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. We appreciate his goodness and kindness and watching over us. Amen. Let's open our, our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll continue there today. We've been going through uh, Jesus, his uh, um, dissertation or um, preaching here. We, we call it the, um, well, what do we call it? We call it the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we call it. <laughs> we got to get back over here so we can read something, you know. Uh, and so um, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's just, uh, you know, the Mount there was there in Jerusalem. And he'd go up to this mountain and he would preach because that he was up high. People could hear him. He didn't have all the technology that we have today. And there was thousands of people there. And um, it's amazing they could all hear him. Amen. Uh, and so, but they could. And so he, he spent a lot of time with him talking about lots of different topics here uh, in these three chapters in chapter 5, 6, and 7. And covered a, a wide range of, of information. And, um, you know, his plan is he's, he's starting to get the nation of Israel to, to understand there's a change coming. It, it's, you know, the, there's a, a, um, uh, a change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Of course, they didn't know that, didn't appreciate it yet until later on. But um, I remembered when, I, when um, uh, the last corporate job that I had, I was a, a manager in that, in that company and had a bunch of people working for me. Uh, and um, they said, well, are we going to do things this way? Uh, and I'd say, no, there's a new sheriff in town, and we're going to do things this way, right? And some of them didn't like the new way, right? They wanted to do things the old way. And, uh, you know, I had to remind them on occasion, you know, there's a, uh, you have a boss, and that's me, and you've got to do what I say, you know, as long as it's not unethical. But, you know, they would, well, we want to do it the old way, but the old way was stupid, you know, it didn't make any sense, so let's do it the new way, right? And so we're going to do things better. It wasn't that we just, you know, some people just like to change things, and they're, you know, they don't make it any better, they just make them different. Well, we want, I wanted to make them better. Uh, and, uh, you know, some people, they just, they, they resist change. Oh, Amen. Yeah. Oh, uh, what was that line in that song that, uh, as long as I have breath? Uh, if uh, I'm not dead, God's not done. Yeah, if I'm not, if I'm not dead, God's not done, right? <laughs> I like that line, you know, because I always say, are you breathing air? Yeah. Then there's still time to change, right? It's the same thing, right? Uh, and so if you're not dead, God's not done. Amen. Amen. Uh, and if you are dead, and sometimes we've got to check people, right? It's like, well, I think maybe they, I think they expired right there in the service, right? Now, some people, you look at them and you think, I'm not sure, right? It's a, 
jury's out. You might have to go check their pulse or something. And, and, and um, I remember Fred Price, I was watching Fred Price on TV. I remember, remember Fred Price, he's gone home to be with the Lord now. He, 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 was, uh, he was something else, right? But, but he had this big round, you know, we got like a quarter round. He had an all the way 360 degree round uh, uh, sanctuary there where he preached at, right? <clears throat> and thousands of people were there. I think Crenshaw Christian Center had 10 or 15,000 people there at one at a given time. Uh, and he was on national TV, and, and uh, like every Friday night, he'd come on. We'd watch Craig Price, you know. And, and, and one time, someone was asleep in the service. And on TV, he went up there on TV and said, hey, you know, smack him upside. This, wake up, you know. There's people outside that can't get in here because of you. And so, <laughs> well, there you go, right? So just be glad I'm not Fred Price today, right? So, uh, but Jesus making a change. He's, tr- he, he's trying to get him to change. And it was so hard for the nation of Israel to change. And if it's so hard for them to change, nothing's different. Humanity always resists change, right? They get stuck in their ways and, you know, I'm five years old, I'm never doing it, you know, I'm never changing again. You know, I tell my kids all the time, I say, how old are you? They'll tell me, I said, you're too old to be in a rut. Yeah. You know, because just, I don't want to do that. I said, well, you know, you're too old, you're, 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 you're too young to be in a rut, you know, too young to be in a rut. Because uh, we get in ruts, right? Now, I've been working this same haircut since I was four years old. You know, I've been in a rut in my hair, you know, for a long time, right? And, and I may never change how I cut my hair. You know, I like how it's cut. And, you know, we may be in a rut the rest of my life. I don't know. You know we'll see. We're not there yet, so uh, we, we can't make a decision. But, uh, but um, uh, it, it's really hard for people to change sometimes. Uh, and really, uh, you've got to look at it from the standpoint of, is that what the Word of God says? If that's what the Word of God says, then you've got to change. You've got to line up with it. Because otherwise, you've done, you've done what we talked about at the, at the beginning of the service. You've limited God. You know, I can't forgive them. Well, yeah, you can. It's the easiest thing in the world to forgive them. Easiest thing in the world. You just say, Lord, I choose to forgive them. You know, uh, we talked, I think we talked about forgiveness maybe last week in healing school. You know, forgiveness is one of those things that, if you look at it from one perspective, it's so easy to do because forgiveness is entirely your choice. 100% your choice. Uh, it's just something you choose to do. Uh, and the word forgive means to pardon. I choose to pardon this person's uh, guilt that they've done towards me. You could choose to do that. You just choose to do it, right? I choose to do it. Well, I don't feel like I've done it. Feeling has got nothing to do with it. It's just a choice, right? Uh, and, and, you know, you don't ever go to the drive-thru and say, I feel like fries today, right? Of course, maybe you do feel like fries sometimes, but, you know, you don't actually feel like a French fry, you know, but, uh, but uh, you know, I get, maybe you do. I don't know, but... Um, but it's not a feeling, it's just a choice. It's a decision, right? Well, I can't forgive them. Sure you can. I mean, anytime, you see, anytime I hear people say, I can't, nothing else after that is true. Because there's nothing you can't do, right? In fact, the, the scriptures literally say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen. So is there anything that you can't do? There's things you don't want to do, fine, right? You know, and, that, and what I would encourage people to do is be honest in your words. Because if, if you say things like, I can't do it, that's not honest. That's not true. You, it's true to say, I don't want to do it. But see, if you say, I don't want to do it, that makes you look bad. And, you know, we don't want to look bad. So, you know, if you say, I can't do it, it's not my fault. I can't forgive him. Well, see, that's not my fault. 100% your fault. You know, the problem is when you get to heaven, it's not going to fly with the Lord. Lord, I, I couldn't do it. And he'd be like, you mean I didn't die for you? I thought, I, didn't I die for him? I thought he was on the list. He was like, yeah, you're on the list. I died for you. Didn't, didn't I put myself in you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, I put myself in you, right? Uh, didn't I give you my word, all, all 66 books? You mean you couldn't read? I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, you could read. You could read, right? Yeah, well, I gave you my Bible, right? 
you know, did I give you my name, the name of Jesus? That, I, I gave it, right? Not everybody except for you, but you were included, right? Yeah, yeah. So I gave you my spirit, my word, and my name. So what couldn't you do? Well, I couldn't do that. I mean, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'll try to die more next time, right? I'll try to shed more blood for you next time, right? This is not going to fly, right, when you get to heaven. He, he, it's just, there, there's no excuse that will make it in heaven. None. And the Lord started dealing with me years ago, just in my own life, about excuses. Everything was an excuse. Because I grew up with excuses. I can't do this, you know. You know, you may be mad. You know, whatever the excuse was, you know. I couldn't get out of bed, you know. Whatever it is, right? You didn't want to get out of bed, you know. It's fine, right? But uh, I couldn't get out of bed, you know. Or your legs broke, you know. You know my, okay, my legs are broke. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll let you. If your legs really were broke, we'll let that slide, right? Uh, but otherwise, you know, I mean, how many excuses do we live in every day? Every single day. I can't. I won't, I don't know how, it's too hard, blah, 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 right? It's all, from the Lord's perspective, it's all blah, 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 because what has he not empowered you to be able to do, right? Uh, And and so uh, we would be better off if it would be honest. I don't want to do it, right? See, then you can, see, then it's an opportunity to change. So you can't do it, then there's nothing to do. But if you don't want to do it, see, then you could want to do it tomorrow, so you work on that, right? Because you you know, I told lots of times, Lord, I don't want to do that. They said, I didn't say I couldn't do it. I said, I don't want to do it. See, there's an opportunity to change. And then he'll start working on you. Yeah, but I still need you to do it. I mean, didn't Jesus? You know, we talked about that this morning. And you think about it, and this is not heresy. Some people think it would be heresy. But when Jesus said that in Matthew 26, that, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what? My will. So his will was here. Not my will. But your will. So he was saying there is a distinction, a difference between what he wanted to do and what the Father wanted him to do. Because he was a sane human being, right? See, he did not want to go to the cross. And you know why he didn't want to go to the cross? It's really easy to understand that. Uh, How long had Jesus been with the Father? Forever. Was there ever a time when he wasn't with the Father? There was never a time in all eternity that he was not with the Father. The presence of the Father, the presence of the Spirit of God, for all eternity he's been there. And if he goes to the cross, he's going to be forsaken, right? He's going to be separated from the life of God for the first time in all eternity. It wasn't the, it wasn't the pain. It wasn't the, the, the shame of the cross, the, the nakedness of the cross. It wasn't the fact that he was the creator standing in front of his creation naked on the cross and all that. It was the fact that he was not going to be in the presence of the Father for three days. One time in all eternity, three days. He, he would rather have done anything else in the world than, than that. The cross was a minor thing to him. He just, he just got to do it right. It's only going to last a few hours, no problem. Being separated from, from the presence of, of God the Father, that was tough. And he said, I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to be separated from, the Father, from your presence, Father. Not even for a minute, much less three days. And he said, so, so his will was here, and the Father's will was over here. Not my will, but your will be done. So his will was different, so that, but there was no sin. See, your will can be different from the Father without being in sin. It's when you say, but I'm not going to change. That's when it becomes sin. When the Lord says, hey, I need you to do this. Well, Lord, I don't want to do that. Well, that's not a problem yet. Because he's going to come back and say, yeah, but I need you to do that. And then the, your response after that is when it becomes sin or not sin. When you say, I am not doing it. Now you're in rebellion, right? Now you have decided that you know the truth. You know what to do. You're just not going to do it. Well, now there's a problem between you and the Lord, right? And, and anybody ever done that? <laughs> I know it's wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. 
You know, the Lord shows you it's wrong. You know, you're going to do it anyway. Uh, see, it, that, that's, so it wasn't the issue that, that the will of Jesus differed from the will of the Father. It was, uh, what was he going to do about it? He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm, you know, it doesn't matter what I want to do anyway. I don't want to do it because I'm sane, but you still want me to do it? Okay, no problem. Uh, and see, that, that's, that's kind of a normal, that should be a normal, I negotiate with that like that with the Lord all the time. You know, hey, you go do that, Lord. I don't want to do that. You do that, you know. Well, I'm not on the earth. Well, you know. Get somebody else to do that. Well, I need you to do that. Okay, Lord, you know. And then, then I, you know, sometimes I say, well, Lord, you know, he's asked me to go talk to people about certain topics. And I said, well, Lord, you, 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 you work it so that they bring up the topic and I'll, because I'll, if I just go and say, hey, the Lord wants to talk to you about something, that shut me off immediately, right? Uh, and so you go and talk with them and then, and then they bring up the topic and then you say something and then they shut you off immediately, right? And that's okay. That's on them, right? Uh, and so, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but, you know, you still got to do it. Amen. And so the, the, the change for the nation of Israel was difficult. Uh, it was really hard on them because they got so used to the natural world. And that's really the issue in the church is when we get so used to this natural realm and we love this natural realm uh, more than the spirit realm. See, then change is difficult. When you get to where you love the spirit realm more than the natural realm, change is easy. Amen. Uh, when, you, when you get to where you love the presence of God in your life more than, than any joy you experience in this natural realm, change is easy. Oh, you got to give up that? No problem. No, no, not a problem at all. Amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus is, is trying to work with, the, with this people here. So uh, we read about being uh, changing and letting your light so shine before men <clears throat> and that Jesus came to destroy uh, the law. He didn't, he didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it, right? And we talked about fulfilling the law is walking in love. Amen. Only laws you got to follow in the New Testament, law of love. The agape love, right? God kind of love. God kind of love always wants the best for the other person. Uh, the world's love always wants the other person to accept them. Uh, and so the world's love will, will, will keep people in their sin, keep people in, in, their, destru- in their destruction, keep people in their harm, because, you know, they want to prove of everything, right? You know, you know, in the corporate world today, it's not good enough to, to just acknowledge that, that homosexuality exists. They want you to approve of it and accept it. You know, I mean, you can acknowledge it. You don't have to be unkind to those people, but you don't have, but we're not going to accept it, right? We're not going to approve of it. We're not going to say it's okay. It's still wrong, but uh, the, that's not good enough for the world. They want you to accept it and approve of it. Know, and so we're, we're not going to do that. Amen. That's their definition of love is acceptance, right? Uh, and, and a lot of times you hear people in the church, I love that church because I'm accepted in that church. That's not the highest priority of the Lord. He'll accept all of us, but as soon as we're in the, in, in the relationship with the Lord, he'll take you no matter what condition you're in, but he's going to start fixing you immediately, right? He's going to start saying, well, this right here, that right there. You know, he, he doesn't accept and keep you the way you are. That would be sad. Amen. Uh, I would be really sad if, I'm the, if, I, if I am the same person today that I was when I got saved when I was 15 years old. I'd be, I mean, I'd just be really disappointed because one of the things, I, when I got saved and started reading the Word of God, I realized, Lord, the person that, that I am not, that I would love to be, I see it in your Word. And, and I want to become that person. And I wasn't that person. <clears throat> you, know, and, you know, that's a lot of deep thoughts for a 15-year-old, I know. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that's just the way I, that's the, who the Lord made me, right? Just the way I was, right? And I knew I wasn't the person that I could be, but I could see that I could become the person that I want to be in your word. And so you spend the next 40 years trying to become that person, amen? And, and, and someday I'll get there, amen? 
but but I don't want I, I don't want the Lord to accept me the way that I am and stay the way that I am. That'd be sad. I don't really love you if I if I let you to stay the way you are. You know, if I love you, I want the best for you. The best for you is to look just like Jesus, sound just like Jesus. That's the best for you. And if there is some kind of sin of, of bitterness or anger or unforgiveness, whatever the sin is, if there's some sin in you, now. Listen, it's not my job, not your job to run around and do this right here to everybody. Well, your sin is this, your sin is that, your sin is that. You've got a whole long list of sins over there, you know. That's not my job. Amen. I help you as best I can. Whatever the Lord tells me to do, that's what I do. If he doesn't tell me to go correct you about all your sins, I just let him alone. Why, why is it my job? You know, he, it's his job to convict you of sins. I'm not the convictor. He's the convictor. If he hasn't convicted you of sins, why am I going to cut in line in front of him and go convict you of your sins? That, that, that's just crazy talk, right? But we, uh, we're so bad about that at church. We see somebody sin, first thing we go, I gotta go, I gotta go confront them. I gotta go confront them. Well, what about you? Mm-hmm. you? Have you not looked in the mirror? You need to buy a bigger mirror, right? Maybe wall to wall mirror, right? <laughs> mirrors in a, go to a house of mirrors, right? Some of you need to go to a house of mirrors. Everywhere they look, they see themselves. That's what they need to see, right? Yeah. Usually they look around and see everybody else's sins, except for their own. Yeah. People like that just exhausting to me, just like, wow. You're so good at seeing everybody else's sins, and you, you're just such a mess. It's just a big mess, right? It's like a hairball. You ever seen a hairball? It's a big mess, right? I mean, that's what their life is like, but they want to tell everybody else about all of their sins. And that's not your job, is to run around as the sheriff of the body of Christ and tell everybody their sins. Amen? Amen. If you see a sin, Lord, can I help them in any way? Your first goal is, Lord, how can I help restore them? If, you're, if your first goal is, well, I've got to go confront them, there's no, God, no desire to restore them. It's your desire, you're just your desire to lord it over them and show them how spiritual you are by, by exposing their sin. Well, let me know how that's working out for you, right? Because that violates a whole list of scriptures, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we get down to, uh, to verse uh, 20 here, uh, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall, have, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So this is a pretty amazing verse, right? Because the Pharisees, you know, their job was to be the, 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 uh, the, the top uh, of, of the Israeli religion, right? The, the Jewish religion. Their job was to read and study the, the Old Testament law, Make sure they kept every jot, every tittle, every little thing of the law that they, they, they spent all their time studying that. That's what they did, right? That was their job, is to study the law and to execute the law flawlessly. And if you go over to Philippians uh, chapter 3, where Paul talks about being a, a Pharisee, he said, as touching the law, he was blameless. In other words, you could go through the whole Old, Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament was considered the law. And there's lots of laws, right? Can't do this, can't do that. You've got to do this, got to do that. And you could go through all of us and go, well, are you doing this, Paul? Yep, check mark. Are you doing this? Yep, check mark. Are you doing this? Check mark. Well, that was, that was the job of the Pharisee, to study those five books, do every single thing, and nobody could have anything against them. Nobody could say, you've not done this law. I've done it all. That's what the job of the Pharisee was. And Jesus said, you've got to exceed that. You've got to be better than that. Well, how are you going to be better than somebody who is blameless according to the law? They are, they're already at the, at the top. How are you going to be better than the top? He said, unless you're better than them, he said, you, you, you've got no place to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, uh, so he, he, a lot of these things, he's blowing their minds, right? He's preaching to them, to these Jewish people, 
And he just, you know, because all of these Jewish people that he's preaching to, there's thousands of people here in this sermon at the Mount. Uh, uh, they're, all, they're all Jews, right? They're all here, and they all know these things. They all know that you've got to keep the law, but, you know, most people, just like today, they don't keep all the law. It's, just, it's, it's, it's too hard, right? It's too hard to keep all the laws, so we're going to keep the important ones, right? You know, but the ones that, you know, are not quite as important, you know, we're going to let them slide, right? But the Pharisees, his job was to go, yeah, I've, got to, I've, done, I've done them all. And Jesus said, you've got to do better than that. You've got to do better than keeping all of those laws. Uh, and, of course, uh, now he doesn't tell them how to do that, right? He said, unless you do that, you've got no place in the, in the kingdom of heaven. So, he, so, so he's, he plants a seed, but he leaves that seed alone till later on, till after he's gone. And, and then uh, people like Paul tell us what that means, right? And so, so we've got to go find out what that means to, to exceed the law. Uh, but uh, just a, just a uh, quick example uh, before we get into how do we uh, keep the law and how do we be, uh, be more righteous than the Pharisees, turn over Luke chapter 18, we'll see a good example of what the Pharisees do, right? How they act. You know there are Pharisees today, right? Uh, the worst people in the world I deal with in a church, Pharisees, right? People walk in, what kind of a church is this? You know, these chairs shouldn't be in a circle. God doesn't like circles. He's a straight God. And they'll find everything, you know, uh, someone fussed at me, you're a terrible pastor. You don't even have a men's fellowship. What kind of a church doesn't have a men's fellowship? And I'm thinking, is there a book, chapter, and verse? Anybody know book, chapter, and verse? Thou shalt have men's fellowship. Are we against men's fellowship? Do we hate men? You know, we like men, you know. Uh, actually, me and Chris were well, you know, we've got a few more men coming. We may have to have a men's fellowship, you know. But before, it was just me and Jared, you know. It's like I see him all the time anyway, so what's the matter, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, uh, we're not against anything. But is there any book, chapter, and verse for thou shalt have men's fellowship? So, but that's a Pharisee. You don't have a men's fellowship, you know. One person said, you better not have a steeple. You know, you know, you, you, you know, how dare you even think about having a steeple? And I'm thinking about having a steeple just because it'd make them mad, you know, because, you know, sometimes I love sticking my thumb in the Pharisee's eyeball, you know, just, I'm going to build a big steeple, right? You know, they're in, in uh, where I lived in Huntsville for a while in like the First Baptist Church. They didn't just have a steeple. They had like a bell tower. The whole tower was a steeple, right? Remember the ground up to a hundred feet in the air. The whole thing was, oh, I think I'm going to build one of those, right? You know, you know how many devils will make mad about that? Uh, and how many Pharisees will get mad about that? I had one person spend 45 minutes talking to me one time about you, you can't have, you can't celebrate Easter. And if you celebrate Easter, you're wrong. And, and, but then you come out and say, if you celebrate Easter, you're wrong. They went this whole thing about, oh, I've been in intercession and prayer and God, you know. You know and, and, and it took me about 45 minutes to read between the lines that they're talking about Easter. Just tell me you don't like Easter. Fine, right? We're still going to do it. I don't care, but we're, you know. And one more, you can't, you know, you can't have Christmas trees. You know, that's of the devil. Anybody ever cast out a devil out of a Christmas tree? You know, I mean, they probably have, but there are no devils in my Christmas trees. There's ornaments, you know, there's a little snowman element. You know, we, we, like, the, we like the little marshmallow ornaments, you know, little, little, little uh, what do you call them? Uh, s'mores, you know, little s'mores, you know, you've got skiing s'mores and you've got, you know, snowman s'mores or whatever. Uh, but um, there's no devils and, you know, but, they, but you could not convince a, a Pharisee of that not at all. You know, and I had a lady call me one time and, and uh, she says, you know, you, 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 uh, the Bible says you can't have Christmas trees. I'm thinking, anybody know where that verse is? Thou shalt not have a Christmas tree? I mean, is that one of the Ten Commandments? It's like the number 11, 11.5 or something. Thou shalt not have a Christmas tree. You know, it's, 
And she went on and on about this thing. And she kept saying, you know that's not in the, you know it's in the Bible, right? You know it's in the Bible. You can't have a Christmas tree, right? And finally I said, ma'am, I said, I don't really know where that's in the Bible. She said, well, you don't read your Bible much, do you? And this is the first time we'd ever talked. She don't even know me. Pharisee, right? Pharisee. You don't even know me and you don't read your Bible much. Well, how do you know I don't read my Bible much? You know, I mean, you're like sneak. I mean, that's really creepy. How would you know? You like spying in my house? I mean, how would you know? And, uh, and so just Pharisees all the time. Worse, you know, I mean, I'd, a rank sinner just smells bad. I'd rather deal with them all day long than a Pharisee. I mean, all day long. It's easy to deal with the rank sinner, you know. Pharisees, they're just nearly impossible to ever help. Nearly impossible. And I'm going to say they're impossible because then I'm limiting God, right? But they really are tough to help. Because here we are, right, in, in, in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus said he spoke this parable in verse 9 unto a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Who did the Pharisees trust in that they were righteous? Themselves. Look what I've done. Here's my list. They're all checked. See, it's right here. I'm better than you and that, better than you and that. Better than, you know, they're all checked. Where's your list? They own them and see. Because they want to compare lists, right? The Pharisees love to compare lists. How am I better than you? In what area am I better than you? You know, I, I remember we were, we were just somewhere and, and um, uh, I, I went to work one time and, and uh, just, you know, saw one of the guys at work. said, hey, did you watch the game yesterday? You know, I'm not a big sports fan, but, you know, that's, that's something a lot of people like to talk about, right? So I try to watch a little bit just to have something to talk about for some people. I could care less, right? In fact, I talked to somebody the other day. I said, what, 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 t- what team do you follow? I said, well, you know, I, I follow the Titans a little bit. You know, it's our, our state, you know, our, our team right there. And they're like, oh, we don't follow NFL. We follow college football. And I'm, and I'm like, is that a spiritual thing? I mean, you know, like a Pharisee, right? Like, how dare you follow the NFL? I could care less. I mean, I could, you know, if you can see how little I care, I could care less about NFL, college football. I could care less. You know, it's entertainment, and I watch it every now and then. You know, like, wow, look at that, you know. But that's it, right? I mean, I couldn't tell you, you know, I maybe could tell you the quarterback's name, you know, but I can't tell you the coach's name. I can't tell you, their, their, you know, because I, I don't care. It's just not important to me, right? And, but if it's important to you, fine. You know, I don't have a problem with you being important. I don't think, well, if it's important to you, you're wrong. I, I, you love it. I don't care. Love it all you want to, right? It doesn't matter to me. You know, but it matters to them. Oh, we, we don't do that. Excuse me for breathing air, right? And, and so I asked this guy at work, hey, did you watch it again? Oh, we don't watch TV at our house. Pharisee, right? Because the, impl- the implication was, and you, since you do, I'm way better than you. People always trying to make themselves better than you, right? Pharisee, right? Am I doing something better than you? Then, then I'm better than you. I'm a Pharisee, right? Uh, and it's all, it's, I mean, you know, someone said, hey, do you watch the movie? Oh, we don't go to the movies. <sighs> I don't care. I don't care if you don't go to the movies, right? I go once a year, twice a year, right? Well, how dare you? Oh, come on, ever, you know? I mean, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? Are there things you shouldn't watch? Sure, there are things you shouldn't watch, right? But there are other things that it don't matter. There's a lot of things that just don't matter. The Lord's like, I don't care, whatever, you know? It just, it don't matter, right? But people just, all the time, they're always trying to compare, and where am I more spiritual than you? Where's my list? How is my list better than your list? All the time, right? And, and they come into the church, and, and I can, you can smell them. You don't even look, you just, the door opens like, oh, there's a Pharisee. The one just walked in right there. Yeah, and you walk in, they're just all puffed up. Just, I mean, just, 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 just puffed up, right? Just walking around like they're just somebody. So, so important, right? And, and it's just like, just, 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 you know, I'm going to put those little, like in the airplanes, they get those little barf bags. 
you know, it, you know, the column, because it just makes me want to hurl something. It just, I mean, it just, you know, it just, didn't Jesus say he's going to spew you out of your mouth, out of his mouth? Yeah, yeah. It just makes you sick, you know, in, in that regards, right? Just because just, just so disgusting yeah. that the, the, the self-righteousness, those that trust in themselves, I am so good, I can't hardly stand myself. And, that, and, that, and that's, there's people that, today in the church that all the time, all the time, just think they're so better than everybody else, right? And I don't just mean in a, in an in a economic standpoint. Sometimes, you know, rich people think they're better than poor people, right? I've met a lot of poor people who think they're better than rich people, you know? I, I, I've seen it black and white, white and white, black and black. I mean, I've seen every single, you know, rich and poor, poor and rich, you know, rich and rich. They're not as rich as I am. You know, I mean, just, uh, you know, uh, even, even in, in, in biblical education. Uh, where'd you go to school? So, uh, that where you went to school? I'm sorry. You, know. you mean you didn't go to school where I went to school? No? Oh, well. The Lord will have pity on you. you know. I mean, it just, it's just school, right? It's information. Amen? And so it's just, uh, and so here we are, right? This is, this, this is the Pharisees right here in Luke chapter 18. He spoke this parable unto the certain which trusted in themselves. So who do you trust in to get to heaven? Are you really going to trust in yourself? That is a fool's errand right there, right? Trusting yourself that they were righteous and despised others. The, the thing that is so true about every Pharisee I've ever met, they despise other people that aren't spiritual as them. If they don't agree with everything they believe in, they will despise you. You know, a lot of people disagree with what I believe. I could care less. I don't care. You, mean, you don't agree with it. That's fine. You know? And you may even be right. It just don't matter to me. I'm not going to argue about it. You know? But some people, if you don't agree with them, they will despise you. Uh, and, and so... Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a publican. A publican was a tax collector. You know the people that the, the people like, dislike the most in the, in the time of Jesus? Tax collector. Nothing's changed, right? <laughs> Anybody still like the tax collector? Nobody likes the tax collector, right? You know, I mean, uh, we, 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 we were at the house one day, and, and uh, I think the paint had just dried on our garage. The tax collectors were out there measuring everything, right? Oh, we can, oh, we can get more taxes. It's like, how'd you even know this was here? Nobody even knows this neighborhood exists. How'd you know this new garage appeared out of nowhere and you're out measuring my garage, you know, for, for more taxes, right? And I don't care. I'll pay all the taxes I need to pay, but just like, how'd you know, right? And so, uh, but the other was, was a tax collector. So, except your righteousness exceed that of a Pharisee. So the Pharisees had as far as the law was concerned, blameless. But then you got the publican who violated every law there ever was, right? I mean, you know, the tax collectors were bad about, uh, you know, if they found out that you owed $100, they'd say, you owe $200. And you got to pay them. They're the tax collectors. So they'd keep 100 and give 100 to the Roman, Roman government. That's why they hated them, because they were liars, cheats, and thieves, right, most of the time. Again, not much has changed in the last 2,000 years, right? And so, you know... Whatever, Mr. IRS, if you're watching this, you know, I don't care. I'm the church, right? You can't do anything about the church. So. Uh, and so the, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you. That's, he's spiritual, right? God, I thank you. He's a spiritual person. That I am not like as other men are. <laughs> now he's a Pharisee, right? And we're being pretty spiritual to now he's a complete Pharisee. I'm not like other people, Lord. So what's he doing? He's giving the Lord his resume. He's trying to impress the Lord with how good he is. As other men, they're extortioners, they're unjust, they're adulterers, even as this public he points to the guy. They're, they're both praying, right? They're both praying to the Lord in private, right? But they're at the temple together, 
And he's like, even this guy right here, Lord, I'm better than this guy. You ever done that? Lord, I'm not very good, but I'm better than them, right? I'm way better than them. I'm not good enough, but I'm better than them. Uh, and so uh, he said, even as, this, I love, even as this publican, it's the worst. People that will, will compare themselves against you, well, I'm not as bad as you are. You're the worst. You're a Pharisee, right? People that, that try to, to, to look down on me because I didn't go to the school they went to. You know, I mean, I, I've, people find out that I went to a you know, Pentecostal school and You didn't graduate from whatever, you know, we are from my seminary, my, 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 my cemetery, right? It's more of a closer to a cemetery than a seminary, but uh, even as this publican, even as this publican, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Uh, so what, what you doing? Lord, I am so good. I can't hardly stand myself. Uh, so, uh, so we've got to be careful because if we try to go, Lord, Lord, I've done all these things and, and you owe me. All that he owes us is to do what he said he would do. And when I go to the Lord, I say, Lord, you said this. That's what I go to the Lord. I don't go with the Lord, I did this. I go to the Lord, I go to the Lord, Lord, you said this. See, then, then, the, then my, my resume has got nothing to do with my receiving from the Lord. It's, Lord, you said this. Amen. Instead of, Lord, I did this. Uh, and and it, that's what he said. I, Lord, I, I do all these. Now, is it wrong to, to not be an extortioner? No. It's not. Is it wrong to not be unjust or not to be an adulterer or not... Even because it's publican, I mean, I don't know what the publican was like, you know. But uh, is it wrong to not fast? Is it, is, it, or is it wrong to fast? Is it wrong to give tithe? No, it's none, none of those things are wrong. But none of those things get you to heaven either. None of those things get you the blessings of God. Faith gets you the blessings of God, amen. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So now this is, this is in the Gospels, right? So you've got to be careful about, you know, uh, we live in the, we're born again, we're Christians, we're child of God. You know, you don't have to pray like this guy, but the, the intent, the attitude of what Jesus was trying to get across. This man had, because uh, remember, the issue was that they trusted in themselves. So this publican did not trust in himself, right? He didn't say, Lord, you know, I've only, you know, stolen from three people this week instead of four like I did last week, right? So I'm doing better. I'm 25% improvement, right? Uh, no, there, there was none of that. It, it was, Lord, I, he said, Lord, uh, he said, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified. The word justified means to be declared free from guilt. Justified rather than the other. So the other Pharisee remained in his guilt. He was not justified. He remained in his guilt. What was his guilt? Self-righteousness, right, in this particular case. Uh, he said, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. Now, Anything wrong with being exalted? Well, I, just, I don't ever want to be exalted. Well, then, then, then just uh, trust in yourself. Because Jesus said, if you trust in yourself, you, you'll be abased. He said, if, but if you trust in me, I will exalt you. Right? And then what he says? And we, we know several scriptures in the word of God. that says, if you humble yourself in the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season. There's lots of scriptures like that. Uh, so the Lord's not opposed to people being exalted, being raised up, being seen. But he's opposed to you doing it to your own self, right? And he, he's definitely opposed to you doing it by stepping on the backs of other people. And the, and the Pharisees are always trying to step on the backs. Of, see, he's trying to step on this publican to get closer to the Lord. Lord, I'm better than him. Pharisees, the worst ones to deal with. They're, just, they're so bad to deal with, right? And Jesus said, you, you've got to exceed their righteousness. Well, it's the easiest thing in the world to exceed the, the righteousness of the Pharisee, right? Uh, you mean I've got to know the entire 
uh, first five books of the Old Testament to, to be better than a Pharisee, uh, that, that's, not, uh, that's not how, uh, how we do it, right? Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll see how we do that. <clears throat> because the issue with uh, the Pharisees and their righteousness was they, did, they trusted in themselves. And people who think they can be good enough to get to heaven are trusting in themselves. Well, Lord, I've been good, like all week. You know, I had, I had a lady one time, she was struggling financially, and, you know, like, and I think I've mentioned this before, that every single person I've ever tried to help with their finances were not a tither, right? People who just, you know, came to me and asked for, for help with their finances, they weren't a tither. Now, you know, sometimes in times and seasons, you know, I know that happens, right? That's happened to other people for other reasons. But as far as just as a whole, you know, they've never been successful financially. It's because they're not a tither, right? Uh, and so she came to me, and I said, well, first thing I always ask, are you a tither, right? No, you've never tithed, no, never tithed. Well, you know, then, then you can't, you know, the promise of God for an area of finances always fall upon the foundation of, of giving and receiving, right? Uh, all, all of financial blessings come from the standpoint of giving and receiving, so if you, want to, if you want to be blessed financially, then you've got to give. Right? The Lord talks about tithing and giving, offerings and uh, other things. And we're not going to go all, uh, all the details about that. But, but, she was, so she, but she's asking me. So if you ask me, I'm going to tell you what the Word says. Because that's what the Word says, right? I'm not, I'm not making it up. And, and look, well, you mean I'm going to give you? You don't have to give me a penny. I'm not trying to get a dime out of you, right? I don't need your money. Uh, you know, the Lord wants you to be faithful to His Word. Amen. And so she asked me, well, what, what should I do? I said, well, number one, you should tithe, right? And so she called me up seven days later, said, I, I've tithed, you know, last Sunday and, and nothing's changed yet. So you haven't been tithing for 50 years and you tithe one time and you expect everything to be turned around immediately, right? Well, that's not, that's not how it works, right? It's being faithful, right, over the word of God, you know? Faithful, right? David said, I was young and now I'm old and what? I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Why? Because I've been doing it from the time I was young to now I'm the old, Right? And I never say that. You know, I'll say I was young and now I'm older. Amen. Uh, and so you know, I'm young and I'm older. And so, Jesus, so Paul is telling us here, he said, therefore, if any man, this is Second Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How do you become a new creature? You accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, right? Lord, I accept you as my Savior. I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead and I confess him as my Lord. That's how you get to be in Christ. Right? I'm now in Christ, and I believe everybody in here is already in Christ, right? You've accepted the Lord Jesus, uh, and if you have, then old things have passed away. Now, he didn't say all things. He said old things, right? So the old thing that he's talking about is not your old hairdo, because it's still there, right? If you got saved today, same exact hair, right, and before and after. And so it's not talking about natural things. It's talking about spiritual things, right? Your old man, your old spiritual man is gone. It's replaced with a new spiritual man. You're born again. Jesus said a man must be born again. This is what he's talking about. The old man has passed away. All things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. And so uh, he comes down to verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin. So who, who made who to be sin? God the Father made Jesus to be sin for us, for our benefit. So all the sins of the world were poured upon Jesus, and he received the judgment for all of the sins. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. Now, how the Lord did it, I don't know. But he, that's what he did. He made him. He never did actually commit a sin, but he looked like sin. He smelled like sin. When he died, uh, and, uh, and the angels didn't take him to Abraham's bosom or to heaven, the devil took him into hell. 
punish him for three days and three nights because he looked like a sinner. He wasn't a sinner, but he looked like a sinner. And, and spiritually, he went into hell for three days and three nights, came out of there victorious, right? But he made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? He didn't do any sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So now we become righteous because of what Jesus did. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of any list. Because I can guarantee those Pharisees, they can go through the whole list, right? But they'll miss the intent of all of it, right? They, they can say, well, I didn't do that. Yeah, but your, heart's right, your heart wasn't right in that matter. Uh, and, and the Lord's, we're going to see the Lord starts going to start judging us based on what's, what our intent is, not just what we physically did. Yeah, and Jesus starts making those transitions there in this, in this Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but here, he said, your righteousness has, has got to exceed that of the Pharisees unless, uh, if you want to get to heaven. And this is how you do it. You just accept Jesus. Automatically, you're more righteous than every Pharisee that's ever existed. That's a pretty good deal, right? Just by accepting Jesus, saying, yes, I accept you, Jesus, automatically, you just went straight to the top of the, top of the heap, front of the crowd, right? You're, you're number one uh, righteous. And, and you've got to always live in that. Lord, I'm righteous because of Jesus. I'm not righteous because of my list, because of my resume, because I'm better than that guy over there. I'm righteous because of you. I'm righteous because you took all my sins. And so I have no sins that, that, that I'm responsible for. You've taken them all. That makes me perfectly righteous with you. And I have perfect right standing with you. Uh, and that's a pretty good deal, right? He, and, and so Jesus is blowing their minds. Except your rights to exceed that of the Pharisees. You have no part in the kingdom of heaven. That, that was a tough statement for them. Easy to do, right? But it wasn't easy until after Jesus died, right? It wasn't easy until after Jesus went to the cross. So there's some things that he just kind of threw out there and left them hanging for a period of time until he went to the cross. And that was one of them, right? That he, so he, he's making a transition uh, for them, telling them that the, this whole thing about laws and lists and keeping up with making sure that you're better than the guy next to you, all that goes away. Now it's, uh, have you accepted Jesus? And do you believe that Jesus makes you uh, righteous with, with the Father? And so that, if you're righteous with the Father, then there's no problem with you because he said he's reconciled. What he said in verse 18, that in, in all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. So reconciled means to be restored fully to favor. So between you and God the Father, full, full favor. There's no conflict between you and the Father because of what Jesus did. And, and so you're reconciled. And so that's why we have the ministry of reconciliation. Our job is to tell the world, you know, right now, you, you're been, you've been restored fully to favor with God. Right now. You mean I'm a sinner? And I'm, yeah, right now. That's what he says in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. That we have been, that when we're enemies, we were reconciled to God. So every person in the world has been, been, been fully restored to favor with God. All they got to do is accept the work of the Lord Jesus, and they become a Christian and become righteous. They're not righteous yet, but they've been restored to favor as far as from God's side, right? He, there's no problems on his side. He sent Jesus, took care of all that. It's all done. He's good. He's waiting on us, right? And so now he said, okay, all of you all, that's why the church, all of you all sitting down right today, I'm not sitting down, so all of you all sitting down, uh, and I'm included in this too, right, uh, even though I'm standing up, but all of you are ministers. All of you are ministers of reconciliation. All of you can go to anybody and say, you know, God's not mad at you at all. Right now, God has, as far as he's concerned, you're his favorite. You've been restored fully to favor. Now, you could use the Bible word reconciled, but unless they're an accountant, they won't know what that means, right? Reconciled, meaning you're all added up, you're all balanced out, you know? And, uh, and, you know anybody reconcile their checkbooks? People don't do that anymore, you know? But they, you know I still do it every now and then, but, uh, but um, uh, it means everything's restored to favor, right? All, all, the, all the columns add up, right? And all the red pens add up to the black pens, right? And so, 
but, but that's our, our ministry. And, and we can do that because we're righteous. So all of our righteous. You know, I have no problem saying, I'm righteous. Are you righteous? Oh, I made a mistake yesterday. What's that got to do with anything? You're righteous because of what Jesus did. And that, and that righteousness that Jesus gave you exceeds that of the Pharisees. So you can try, and people do. They still, they still do it because they're not smart. They still try to, to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees by their works, by their resume. And they'll make the same list just like the Pharisee did in Luke 18. Lord, I've done all these things, therefore I'm righteous. And the Lord will be like, he'll yawn. It, it's just, no, you're not even close. Because he'll give you, you want a list of all the things you've done that, that makes you unrighteous? According to your self-righteousness, he'll give you a list anytime you ask him for it, right? Don't trust in yourself. But if you trust in Jesus, man, I'm righteous. And people, you know, uh, knowing that we're righteous, that was, a, that was a kind of a new revelation for the church in the last 50 years, probably, probably 60, 70 years. But it's been in, our, in, in, in modern times that we really understood our righteousness. Uh, before that, it was still drilled in you. How long is your hair? How long is your skirt? How much makeup you got on? How much jewelry you got on? Right? That's your righteousness. Uh, and, and I mean, the Pentecostal church nearly died because of that, because we turned righteousness into what we can measure on the outside. It's got nothing to do with the measure on the outside. It's got to do what you do on the inside. Did you accept Jesus? You accepted Jesus, you're 100% already. And you really can't mess it up, right? You'll stay righteous if you, if you trust in that all the days of your life. Amen? And so that's a big change. Jesus trying to trying to make, and, and he didn't really go into all the details that he needed to. You know, he just left them hanging there, like, just blowing their minds. I gotta, I, you mean I can't, get, I can't be with you, if, except I'm better than that guy over there who prayed that he's better than me? And then there's no hope, right? And then you, that's why he waited for Paul to write this, and, you know, and people's like, when's 2 Corinthians coming? When's he's got 1 Corinthians. Yeah, but I, need, I need 2 Corinthians. I need to know I'm righteous, you know? Write the second letter, Paul. Write it, write it now. Yeah, and finally he wrote it. Okay, now, now we can be right. Now we know, right? So we, we're way ahead of these people that Jesus is preaching to right there, right? Even though he was right there in his presence, we're better off than all of them. Amen? Because we know how to be righteous. That exceeds that of the Pharisees. And, so, and that's a big thing, amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, we thank you that we can be uh, righteous, have, have perfect right standing with you, Father. And Lord, it's not, it's not a measure of our resume or measure of our good works measure of our things we've done or not done it's a measure of how much do we trust in the lord jesus and father we trust in him he is our righteousness he made us to be righteous we are the righteous of god in christ jesus Father, it's because of his work that we have perfect and full right standing with you and so father we trust in that we thank you for that father and lord we give you the praise and the honor for it lord in jesus name amen well, praise God, are we, are we the righteous of God in Christ Jesus? We are, you know, and you should never feel bad. I would never say I'm righteous. Well, if you're a person of faith, you would. Easy. I'm, I'm perfectly righteous, you know. I have perfect right standing with God the Father. Amen? Uh, and so, and that even works for people that are the Antichrist, right? So, but uh, praise God. Well, it's time to give. Amen? Uh, and uh, uh, is, it, is, it, is it my job to beat you over the head about how much you give? No, that is not my job to beat you over the head how much you give, right? Paul said, do it as according to your heart, amen? What's in your heart? Not what's in your head, uh, what's in your heart, amen? What the Lord wants you to do, that's what you should do, amen? And you don't have to do anything more than that, amen? Just do what the Lord wants you to do and you're good, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. 
Father, it's an honor to give. We thank you that you've blessed us and increased us each, each, and, uh, each and every one in, in our lives. Father, you've given us good jobs. Uh, you've given us good pay increases. And Father, we're so thankful for that. And so, Father, as an act of our will, because you've asked us to do that, we choose to give. And Lord, we thank you that as we give, that all the finances that this ministry needs to accomplish your vision and plan in the earth, uh, uh, in our church here, Father, in our ministry, that we'll have all the finances that we need. And Father, we thank you that as we give faithfully, as your word says, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into our bosom. We thank you, Father, there's no limit to what you'll do in our lives if we take the limits off of you. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, receive the offering. So don't forget, we have uh, uh, healing school today at uh, 3 o'clock. And, um, um, and, of course, then we'll have uh, church on Wednesday. But, um, you know, I'm really enjoying the, these messages because it, it, it's... it's to me, it's such an important thing. These particular Sermon on the Mount is such an important message to teach on because there's a lot of confusion in these things because Jesus is in the transition state, right? And unless you, unless you put that, frame it in the right way, it's really confusing. People get real legalistic about certain things and not, because later on he talks about you know, plucking your eye out. And people's like, yeah, pluck your eye out. You know, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it for you. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and so people become real legalistic about things that they get completely misunderstand, right? And so it's really helpful to go through these things because Jesus said all these things. Everything he said is so. But you've got to make sure that you frame it in the same way that he intended it to be framed, amen? Uh, and we don't diminish his word at all by doing that, amen? Uh, and so, praise God. Uh, well, well uh, anything else? We good, right? Church meal next week. Church meal next, is that next week? Yeah. October's next week? Wow, next week's October, Wow. Uh, all right, so church meal next week, and uh, be sure to, to congratulate Jerry on his 52 years of marriage, right? So <laughs> be blessed, and uh, you're dismissed. <laughs>